Welcome to Manager Tools. Today's topic, Job Transparency for Development, Part 2. Here we go. Alarms is not the only way to do it, right? There's other things we can leverage, other resources. Yeah, the ultimate Drucker time study, as we've said before, is to have your assistant do it for you. Drucker knew that if you have an assistant, it's much more likely to happen and it's much more likely to be brutally accurate if your assistant follows you around. Right. Unless you just, you know, make a habit of asking her to lie for you. I mean, yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, what's funny is there are a lot of people listening who would think, well, if I had an assistant, that's not how I'd use him or her. But uh, you'd be wrong. The value that I've gotten out of these, and so many other people have gotten out of these things, is that you, um, it would be absolutely fabulous use, particularly early on in a relationship, to find out you know, exactly what you were doing. And a lot of people say when they have somebody shadow them, this happens to me all the time in my consulting, is that people say, oh, if you're going to follow me around for today, it's it, for a day, it's going to be um, misleading because I, I will subconsciously or consciously modify my behaviors when you're there. And I say, yeah, <laughs> that's what you think. Right. And you'll do that for about an hour. But the strength of your habits, the ruts you're in, are such that you can't modify and you're not able to keep your mind in two places on the person watching you and on your own behaviors. So believe me, having your assistant do this for you is a great use of his or her time and of the resource. So if you have an assistant, it's an absolutely good use of his or her time. Now, you mentioned having them lie for you. Did I say that? No. Yeah, you did. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. I, I and your out loud voice. Oh, yeah. The problem with surveys like this is you're going to be tempted if you're self-delusional or self-medicating to, f- to fudge your answers. Um, if the alarm goes off at 1134 and you are answering a text but only one second before you were reviewing your budget, you'll be tempted to write down reviewing budget. And that would be wrong, folks. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it would be wrong, and it would make it worse. Um, if you were to capture text message, the assumption of this technique, which we alluded to before, is that you were doing text messages for the 10 minutes represented by the sample. Now, stick with us, folks. This is a sampling technique that we're using here. We're not recording everything we do. We're sampling what we're doing, okay? While you may not believe that 500 time samples over two weeks is a representative sample, it is. It's math. (laughs) Yeah, and if you don't really do that much texting in a week or in two weeks, it's only going to show up a couple of times, and the relative percentages are going to even out in such a way that they're going to be representative. You have to trust the process. Yeah, and you can't do this for a day, right, and get a representative sample. No, you really can't. Part of the two weeks is we want to even out the chance that there is an unusual day. Everyone always says, well, that was an unusual day or an unusual two days or, you know, I, you know, none of my days are the same. You just you just want to shake your head. Yeah, and then, you know, nine, nine out of ten days from here are unusual. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so, uh if you do it for two weeks, it, it mutes the chance that any one day is a problem or that it, either one of the weeks is a problem. Um, and surely every single week is not so wildly different. People who tell us that every single one of their weeks is wildly different um, are probably overreacting to small things and are unable to see the big themes and trends in their time which is what would be helpful in terms of understanding your job to begin with. Right. Or they fall into the other category you described, which is delusional or self-medicated. Yeah. yeah. And look, if every week is crazy, then any week is a good sample, guys. 
Uh, and two weeks is, again, a fabulous sample. Um, and, and look, it takes a lot of discipline to get through the first couple of days. Um, by the end of the first week, you're going to be comfortable with this technique. But the second week is easy once you've established the habit of responding to the alarms, however you set your alarms. Um, now, a couple other things that I've learned in my experience and have learned from people that we've done this with uh, on the consulting side, don't try to capture the hour or two you spend at home during the week working. You'll find the alarms or having your admin at home awkward. Um, and most of it usually is communications, which are represented, represented elsewhere. It's unlikely that you don't communicate at all during the day and then do all your communications at night. Something else that I discovered after I'd done this about 10 times, it was amazing how people magically stopped going to lunch when they started doing surveys. And they said, oh, I was doing X during lunch or Y during lunch, whatever. No, lunch is supposed to be there. Don't not sample during lunch. Or again, count lunch as email if you do a little of that while you're eating sometimes. I would actually suggest take lunch. But regardless, we're talking about how to do the survey. Um, and then just our final caution is please avoid the temptation to skew a few moments to make a difference, a la the, the text message example we gave a bit ago. One or two or three or four changes aren't going to make any difference other than making you feel like a cheater. And look, you don't have to show everyone or anyone everything anyway. No one else is going to know that you spent that percentage of the time on text messages, although I would argue you're probably not that much different than your directs, and it'd be fine. Um, and, and you can categorize it when we talk about the analysis thing coming up now. Um, you can categorize it in a number of different ways. And so you can structure it in such a way that some of your embarrassment is reduced. And as I've said many, many times, any embarrassment you feel for admitting that you could be more efficient. And by the way, to your arrogant directs, they're going to say, well, I'm really good at time management. He looks like he's terrible at it. They know there's a voice deep down inside them that says, you're just boasting that way. You're an idiot when it comes to time management too. I'm sorry, priority management. But look, any embarrassment other people might think you should feel because you share that you're not a fabulous manager of your priorities and are not a fabulous user of your time will be far outweighed by people's impression of your courage for sharing with them your weaknesses openly in order to help them and you get better. And if you always want to hide your weaknesses, if you're always afraid that other people are going to find out that you're not as good as things at things as you think, if you're always doing that, don't expect your directs to be open and candid with you about their weaknesses or their failings or their misses or, or their, um, their failures to get stuff done, the missed deadlines, the weaknesses, and so on. Don't expect it. You're setting the example that everybody has to put on a good face to the organization, that clarity and candor aren't important, that what's important is protecting one's reputation. And so when you ask a direct a question about what can you get better at, and they say, I'm good at everything, when you in fact know that's not true, don't be surprised if you wonder where that comes from. When you, when you look for causes of problems in your organization, start, you know, look for them in increasingly larger concentric circles around your own desk. Yeah. Set the example. Yeah. 
you mentioned analyzing this log, your, your time log. So tell me about that. Yeah. So you're going to have, if you do it our way, you don't have to, you can modify the number of days. You can modify the number of samples per day. You know, look, don't get 200 samples a day. That's just ludicrous. Okay. But what you're going to have is 500 time samples, 50 day, 50 um, samples per day times 10 days, two weeks. That makes the math easy in terms of percentages, right? Um, and by math, what we mean is aggregating similar behaviors, meetings, planning, email, texting, one-on-ones, presenting, project X, project Y, project Z, and determining the percentage of your time you spend doing each one. It's better to stay pretty specific on your first review when you start adding things up than to immediately start lumping them into five big groups. Because first of all, the moment you start lumping them into only five big groups, you're going to discover that you could describe your time spent doing an email on Project X, either as email or as Project X. And um, you're going to end up with a vagueness, like, I'm not sure this is that I've really captured everything I do. Um, and some of you are going to say, oh, I spent two hours doing that this week, but I rarely do that, so I'm not going to mention it. Well, if you do do it and it is part of your job, then it is part of the sample, mm-hmm. and it's better to put it on there. Um, you can always second-guess this, but it's not supposed to say that you spend 22% of your time doing X, And that means that every single week you do 22% of your time. It's supposed to show that the 22% of your time doing X versus the 31% you do Y is a good rough approximation of your relative time spent on those two factors. If, in fact, over the course of a year, Project Y is 34% and Project X is 19%, that is an insignificant difference. Okay? So... We recommend you break them down, break them out as small as as you can in the beginning, and have a lot more categories on your first run through of aggregation or analysis of the log. And the idea of that is then you can lump some of those together and say, okay, what are the themes of my job? If you're high C, this is just this is perfect. You create a pivot table. You have like a hundred different mm-hmm. categories. You you summarize in 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 fifty different ways. It's awesome, folks. It's yeah, awesome. <laughs> I, I did a time study and I found that 90% of my time was spent creating my pivot table. Yeah, you do the time analysis. <laughs> um, yeah, there might be planning on your budget versus planning a major presentation. Maybe they would both be in planning, but you might still feel differently about which you could delegate and to whom. So therefore, you would separate them and maybe you have 18 or 20 or 25 or 30 things you're doing there's nothing wrong with that okay the problem is is if you put if you only come up with five or ten things if you think that your job is supposed to aggregate is supposed to aggregate to the highest possible level you may end up with some unwieldy clumps that don't give you insight into what parts of your job what projects what tasks um, what deliverables what regular routine deliverables you could actually start delegating on a regular basis. So the goal of the analysis to end up is, is to end up with a percentage list of where you spend your time. And, and look, guys, be honest. For most people, this is where their disbelief kicks in, okay? Such an analysis can be a rude awakening and hopefully it can also be a wake-up call. 
because rude awakenings are generally a wake-up call. There's nothing wrong with postponing some of your delegation efforts that this analysis was supposed to lead you toward until after you have a chance to modify your priorities, swallow your embarrassment, and change the way you manage your priorities. There's nothing wrong with that. If all that comes out of the first analysis is, oh my gosh, I've got to change some things before I can figure out what to delegate, or I wouldn't dare share this, it's okay. Spend six months wrestling with your calendar. I do it three or four times a year, thinking a year or two out all the time. Um, There's nothing wrong with doing that before you share it. Something else you can do. You can choose not to share it, but still pick out two or three or four things that you could delegate. You could simply say, I've done a time analysis of my job, and it's pretty clear I spend time on X, and it's something I think you could do, and it gives me and getting getting rid of it to you would give me a chance to do Y. There's nothing wrong with that at all without revealing the pie chart of your time. Right. It is your job, right? <laughs> yeah, it is. You can overlay whatever way of thinking about your work that you want to if it helps you to see your role more clearly or if it helps your directs understand your activities. One way of thinking about it is using activity. When you think about your time, you could break it up into three categories. Activity, which are things like managing decisions, setting strategy, and so on, or your situation, were you alone, were you with clients, were you with directs, were you with the board of directors or your boss, or thinking about it in terms of a communication channel, face-to-face, phone, email, something like that. The best way to think about it for this effort is activity, but that doesn't mean those other delineations aren't helpful for you to see patterns. There might be two or three ways to to slice the melon to make it look good or or to help understand, oh, wow, I didn't realize I spent all the time doing email. And by the way, when you discover, when you all discover that you're spending too much time on email, please listen to our God email cast and, and the one that followed it where we talk about doing email three times a day. Right. Well, and, you know, the other interesting thing about these different slices is depending upon where you are in your journey relative to your development as a manager, you'll find looking at different slices to be insightful. At some point, you might be looking at what, what projects you're working on, and then, then later on, you might find that you're looking for kind of how you do your work or where you do your work and just different slices of how, of how you manage your time. Exactly. Um And we can't tell you exactly how to break up your job uh, in this cast. We did, in a general way, make some suggestions in our cast how to choose what to delegate. What we recommended was making a list of what you wanted to delegate, delegate and what the direct wanted to do and what the organization needed and find the most intersections you could. There's also nothing wrong with delegating that which you don't like, that which you aren't good at and what your directs genuinely want to do. But understanding your job better and hopefully getting some insight into what really matters in your job makes it easier to understand how you could delegate to even more of your directs. Okay, so you recorded your time, you've done the analysis. Now, assuming that I'm comfortable enough that I'm, I'm willing to share this, what's the next step? Yeah, so what you do is offer opportunities to your directs, okay? You share what you've done, schedule 30 minutes, out of your weekly staff meeting to announce a review of your priorities. 
Explain, don't take too much time, but explain how you arrived at the overall patterns and priorities. Look, if it were me, I'd probably recommend, hey, listen to this podcast. It's, it's a two-parter. Uh, it's, you know, it'll take a little time, but it'll help you do this. And you could tell your directs, any of your directs could do this exact same technique. It's not limited to managers. Okay. Tell them how you arrived at the overall patterns and priorities that you're seeing. Um, look, there already will have asked about the analysis because you will have been doing it in front of them. But remember, we told you, you didn't have to tell them in advance not to announce what you're doing. So you smartly would not have told them that you were going to use it team wide. You could just say, hey, I'm doing analysis of my time. The smart ones will ask at the end, if you never say anything, hey, what did that analysis show? So, well, actually, it showed me I'm off on this and this, and I'm working on changing the amount of time I spend on these things. Look, guys, as I've said before, all of us have too much to do because, look, raise your hand if you go home with all your work done every day. Well, no one ever does. So, therefore, by definition, you either have too much work to do or you're really, really inefficient and you know you could get it all done. You're just lazy or inefficient and or see both of the above, okay? If that's the case, the big choice you have is which work you do and which work you don't or thinking even more carefully about that, which work is the highest value and which one is the lowest value. And I would argue that if you have 10 things to do and you're doing seven of them, but your analysis shows only three of them are really, really high value, you shouldn't continue to try to get those seven things done even in less time. You should focus on the three and delegate the other seven, hypothetically. Um, so if all of us always have too much to do. The fundamental question is, what are you going to do and what are you going to choose not to do? And by the way, feeling busy does not mean you have too much to do. <laughs> that just means you're anxious about things, which is an emotional state as opposed to a level of work. But look, you shared this with them in your staff meeting. You've explained, you've reviewed your priorities, you did the time analysis, they saw you doing it. And then tell them what you're seeing as activities that you feel can be delegated. And if you want, stay small the first time. Pay close attention. In other words, delegate small things. Pay, pay close attention to how well they do when taking over responsibility. Or if you want, trust that this works really well and get rid of a bunch of responsibilities. And then you'll discover what it's like to manage at a more senior level if you're a frontline manager because you're going to be managing other people doing the work a lot more than you just doing the work. You mentioned earlier criteria of, of delegating things that perhaps your directs want to do. So is it okay to have folks volunteer to take over specific responsibilities? Yeah, that's the whole point of this. I mean, you do an analysis of your job, and then rather than agonizing over what you should delegate to whom, allow them to volunteer. Keep a list of what you're going to be delegating. Then, as you have one-on-ones in the days, days ahead, for those people who say, I'll do X or I'll do Y or I'll do Z, walk them through the delegation model. Say, I'd like your help. You've expressed interest in taking over X. Would you please take over X? They say yes. And you say, here's what's involved. And you go over deadlines and quality and reporting. You know, that's a, that's a great point. I think there would might be a tendency amongst managers to not use a delegation oh, model yeah. when going through this, right? Somehow this is different. They volunteered, so I'm not. The delegation model is about kind of asking them to take responsibility versus them volunteering. Um, I, think, I think it's a good point. That would be a, that would be a mistake to not use a delegation model. I could be wrong about this, but my experience has told me at this point in my professional career helping managers that there's a huge disconnect between what managers think of their bosses 
and what those same managers think their directs think of them. Oh, yeah, there is. And, right. So, so look, if Mike's my boss and Wendy works for me, as an example, I'm saying, well, I couldn't really, you know, I'd have to have a good plan of what I would want to delegate. I have to understand my job completely. And, you know, I couldn't let Wendy choose because, you know, maybe she's would choose something that wasn't ideal for her career path. And, you know, I'm just not sure. And there are reasons why I would need to have a clear understanding of who's going to have what and how I'm going to oversee them and so on. And I could talk myself out of. And, and this is something managers do all the time. Uh, you know, I ask questions like, have you thought about this? Well, I did, but uh. And then when, you're, when they're talking to someone else, they admit, yeah, I just told myself I didn't want to, but I didn't use those exact words. At the same time, while I talk myself out of delegating to Wendy or allowing her to volunteer, when I'm put to the situation of somebody says to me, hey, if your boss came to you and says, I'm thinking about really focusing on these four things. I've got these five other things that need to be done, and I think they'd be good for you to know about. Any of them interest you? And, and you saw one of them that was interesting to you. Would you volunteer? And I would say, well, sure. And it would be cool that my boss trusted me to volunteer. I assume he would not let me do something that was completely out of my abilities, the scope of my skills. But yeah, rather than my boss coming to me and picking the thing for me, having him say, yeah, I trust you. You know, these are all things that I think you could do. And I I want you guys to step up. I'd feel trusted. And I'd say, yeah, that'd be cool. I'd learn about my boss's job and I'd be, I'd, I'd see myself as helping and so on. Yeah. And just, just the dichotomy of, oh yeah, if my boss does it to me, he trusts me and it's okay. And so on. But, oh, I couldn't do that with Wendy. It's just ludicrous. At some point, that that logic or illogic just doesn't hold water. It just doesn't. It doesn't. You alluded to this. Let's let's talk about this specifically. Let's say Wendy, in this case, volunteers to take on one of your responsibilities that she just, she can't do or it's not, it's not right for her professional development or for any one of a number of reasons. You've concluded that it's not the right thing for her to take on. What do you do there? Yeah, look, there's absolutely the possibility that somebody will volunteer and then you'll realize then or even shortly afterwards that they've bitten off more than they can chew. But look, first of all, let's be thankful that they're motivated. Gosh, the managers I know that say my people won't do more and I can't get them to do more. Dude, the problem's not them, it's you. So be thankful, but protect yourself. When you meet with them, explain to them you don't believe they're ready for what they asked for. Say, hey, look, I know you volunteered for X and I appreciate the energy. I'm going to recommend, I'm not going to delegate that to you and here's why. It calls on a great deal of presentation skills. You and I both know you're not a great presenter. I appreciate that you're going to Toastmasters and yet you're still not at the level I would need you to brief the VP. And so therefore, I'm going to tell you, I'm not going to delegate that to you. Okay. On the other hand, I've been thinking, Right. So before the meeting and before the one on one, consider alternate tasks you could delegate to to this person uh, and offer them. And so then I say, but look, I know you're motivated. There's a couple other things that I think you could do. I think you do well. You may not love the idea of these. They may not be as cool to you as the one you wanted. But here are a couple that I think you could do. And I'm open to rediscussing this in six months or a year, depending upon your performance and the value of these tasks, so on. You're not saying it's a free-for-all. You're saying, I'm still in charge, but I'd like to capture the energy you might have behind certain tasks. 
and let's flip it over again and let's say your boss allows you to volunteer and you volunteer and then your boss comes to you and says you know you're really not capable of doing it but, but since you volunteered I'm gonna let you go ahead now some people would say I disagree with my boss I think I could do it my boss is he always says I'm not any good in anything and yet every time he gives me something hit home run yep that's absolutely possible um, but we're giving you the benefit of the doubt here that you're a reasonably accurate predictor of your direct skills and people get you know it's amazing they seem to think that the, if they're direct volunteers, it'll be a big problem. No, because if you volunteered and your boss said to you, this is too much, you're not ready for this, you'd want that more than your boss letting you walk into a threshing machine. You just wouldn't want it, right? And, and ultimately, it is the boss's decision. He or she may be wrong, and you may be wrong as well. But if you believe that one of your directs is not capable, you ought not to let them do it because it could create problems for you and for them. Same thing's true for your boss. So therefore, if you would want your boss to say, wait, time out, that's probably not a good choice for you, then we recommend you do the same thing for your directs. And that's it. I'm sorry we went two parts, but a good time analysis, which we had talked about before, but never really gone through uh, in great detail, I think is a helpful thing to go through in detail. Um, so just to wrap up, guys, as I think we've made clear, don't announce what you're doing. Keep a time log, analyze the log, and then allow your people to volunteer. Don't be afraid to say no. Look, don't feel like the Lone Ranger if you don't have a good handle on how much time you spend on actual activities. Most of us have a sense of, sense of things, but that sense isn't good enough to give us confidence enough to let go. With data, many of you will be more confident, and you'll trust your directs enough to let them pick. We suspect you'll be surprised on the positive side about your direct's level of energy, even though before you'll have been surprised on the negative side by how much time you waste. And that's okay, you're not alone. And if there's a total fail, if somebody volunteers for the wrong thing, you can always take that back. Yeah. All right. Thanks, my friend. You bet, partner. Anytime. We'll see you later. Thanks, everyone. Hope you enjoyed it. We'll see you next week. Have a great one. So long.